Welcome to Pod Academy. I'm Tess Woodcraft. Nawal El Sadawi is one of the foremost Egyptian writers. A doctor by profession, she's written over 40 books of fiction and non-fiction translated into 30 languages. Since her very first novel, written in her 20s, she's taken on some of the most difficult, challenging, controversial subjects, including female genital mutilation, domestic violence, child marriage, prostitution, the impact of war on women and children, so-called honour killing, and the laws that maintain women's status as minors. It's not surprising, perhaps, that this has made her many powerful enemies. She's been forced out of employment, she was imprisoned by the Egyptian authorities in the 80s, and in the 1990s she lived under serious death threats from religious fundamentalists. Indeed, she was forced into exile. But she's now back in Egypt, where, though now in her 80s, she took an active role in the demonstrations in Tahrir Square in the spring and continues to fight to ensure that women's rights are part of the political settlement in Egypt. Her writing and activism are seen by women around the world as a beacon of light, and she's received many awards, literary and academic. I interviewed her as part of a conference in London organised by ICRO, the Iranian and Kurdish women's rights organisation, which works to end honour killing and sexual violence against women. I started by asking her what she'd meant when she wrote in her autobiography, writing is my sole refuge, it's like breathing. My work is my love, and when you love your work, then you can do it well. But we are forced all the time, since childhood, to do something we don't like. I was pushed to study medicine, to be a doctor. I never dreamt of being a physician or a doctor. I dreamt of uh, art, music, dancing, writing poetry, novels. Of course, there is no separation between creativity in science and in art. But when I was a child, I loved to move my body to dance because this is natural. But it was a taboo in Egypt at that time when I was a child. It was a taboo to be a musician or a dancer or a film uh, actress. And it's very respectable to be a doctor. So I went, I followed the advice of my parents and I went to the medical profession but all the time I felt that my writing is my life and I kept a secret diary under my uh, pillow all my life writing and I never stopped writing since I was a child till now so it's more than oxygen it's my life more than breathing And how do you see the relationship between your writing and your political activism? They are inseparable. Writing and fighting are inseparable. And literature, why do we write? um, It gives us pleasure to write. Creativity gives us pleasure. In fact, the pleasure of creativity uh, is above everything, can cure us from all our pains, Because creativity also can lead you to prison and can lead you to exile because you challenge the system. But the pleasure of creativity is more than the pain. You've tackled some of the most difficult um, issues and I wonder if we could now talk about your approach, um, particularly, for example, around female genital mutilation. 
despite efforts to outlaw it in many countries, it still is practised. Do you, do you think there's a, there's a chance for change? Of course. Of course. But how can we change? Because the issue of sexual problems in the life of women, whether uh, female genital mutilation, rape, honor killing, forced marriages, all that, is usually tackled separately. But we have to connect in order to cure the, the, the problem. In order to cure the problem, we have to know why we have it. Why the clitoris of women is cut. And we have to link male genital mutilation to female genital mutilation. It's cutting children. Why children should be cut? We have, because this is, we have to study history. This is very ancient habits that happened in history. It's political habits. It's economic habits. It is sexual habits. It's all related. So if we understand the real causes of any problem, then we can eradicate it. We studied that in medicine. We cannot eradicate female genital mutilation or male genital mutilation or honor killing or anything without knowing the real reasons. The honor, whose honor? Whose honor we are speaking about? It's the honor of the man. The woman has no honor. It is the name of the father that has the honor. Any children that take the name of the mother in most of the countries, they are illegitimate. In order to be legitimate, in order to be legal, you must have a father. So the name of the father is the reason of all the sexual and political problems of women. Patriarchy is based on the name of the father. So in history, since the beginning, the, the class patriarchal system, the feudal patriarchal system, and then the capitalist patriarchal we are still living in the capitalist patriarchal system up till today. And in every country, the name of the father has the honor, and the name of the mother is not is even dishonorable in Egypt. But we changed that. I'll tell you how, how we changed now. And we are fighting to give the name of the mother some honor to eradicate what is called illegitimate children. So, in fact, I would like to connect rape, honor killing, female genital mutilation, all that, to patriarchy and to class. And how the, the name of the mother should be honorable, exactly like the name of the father. The society... The patriarchal society is very afraid of the name of the mother, if it is honorable. Why? Because they want women to be monogamous. <laughs> so if it is easy uh, for a girl to, be, to have a sexual uh, relation before marriage and then have a child outside marriage and the father is not known, this will threaten the whole capitalist patriarchal system. Can you tell us a little bit about what the situation is now in Egypt around honour killing? Of is course, there honour killing? Of course. There is honour killing in Egypt up till today. I can give you just 
uh, two stories that were uh, horrible but significant. But also, I, I would like to, that's why I'm optimistic that we are going forward. We need to empower the mother. Because those two stories, when the mother is weak, she, she's weak, then she may even help the father to kill her daughter. I live in Shubra. The next district near to Shubra is called Imbaba. And in Baba, there was a horrible honor killing. We saw in the streets of Imbaba, the mother cheering with Zagharat. Yes, she was cheering, happy, and walking in the streets of Imbaba. And next to her, her son, who killed her daughter and carrying the head of his sister, whom he killed. He was carrying, everybody saw that. He was carrying the head of his sister like that, showing it to all in Baba that he revenged the honor of the family. And the mother of the girl was beside him, walking in the street, cheering and happy because her daughter was killed. So you see how the mother herself is a slave to the conception of patriarchy and how she betrays our daughter by leaving her to be killed and even being happy. This woman was educated. That's why education sometimes does not make anything. Another story from Upper Egypt, the opposite of that. It was a powerful mother, though not educated, but she had dignity. It's a matter of dignity and common sense and intelligence and personality. And she loved her daughter and she protected her daughter. Her daughter was raped by the cousin, by the paternal cousin and became pregnant. So the father and the cousin who raped her and his father and the uncles gathered and said, this girl should be killed for the honor of the family, though they know that it's the cousin who raped her. But the honor of the family is above ethics and above the conscious, above everything. And they planned to kill the girl. And she was 16 years of age, very young. But the mother said no. They decided to, to abort her from the baby and then kill her. And they planned, but the mother was aware and she went with them to the hospital. She never left her daughter like that. Never left her. Whatever they tell her, stay at home. She said, no, I am going to be with my daughter till the end. And they killed the mother and the daughter together because they could not get rid of the mother. Of course, the mother failed in spite of her power, but we need to train mothers and to educate mothers to have dignity and to understand justice and patriarchy and uh, empower women with education, with economic independence, so they are not so weak to submit to the conception of killing their daughters and they can help them and save them.
And that brings us, I think, very naturally to the situation in Egypt now. Yes. Um, you took an active part in Tahrir Square. You were there, you were with the, with, with, with the demonstrations and with the, with the crowds. And in St. Paul here. And, uh, <laughs> and in St. Paul's Cathedral here. And um, you said that you've been waiting all your life for the revolution. I was dreaming, since I was a child, that there would be a big revolution in Egypt and in the world, and the whole world will change. So when the Tahrir Square Revolution came, I found myself there. And I, as if I am living my dream, it's, I was uh, staying under the tent with the men and women there in Tahrir Square, and as if it's a dream that I dreamt of that several, for 70 years, I was dreaming of this revolution. And watching it on, on television here, there seem to be more women in Tahrir Square and involved. And yet, you have said that women must move very fast if they are to secure their rights in Egypt. Well, my fears of the counter-revolution in every revolution in history, British Revolution, French Revolution, uh, uh, American Revolution, there is always a counter-revolution. Are women's rights a divisive issue in Egypt, do you think? No, no, no. In our, we started the Egyptian Women uh, Movement, mm -hmm. the, the Egyptian Women Union. While we were in Tahrir Square and we felt the danger that we, we are going to be excluded, so we started to re-establish the Egyptian Women Union, which was banned by Suzanne Mubarak several times. So, and half of us are men. You know, there are many men, young, especially young revolutionary men, with women, of course, and we were together in Tahrir Square. So the women issue is not divisive at all. It is the religion that is used. Religion is used to divide the country. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not check out other interviews and lectures on podacademy.org, where you'll also find transcripts of programmes, additional information and links to other relevant websites.